Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale May 1st, 2019. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And poor Tuck Tuck is sick, but he's here. I got a hanky. Yeah. I'm that level of snot full. It's full great. of snot. Yeah. I, I have a cloth hanky as if I was some sort of 1940s gentleman. Yeah. yeah. My grandfather carried the same type yeah. of hanky. It was great. <laughs> uh, we've got books to talk about because this show is all about the new comics on sale every week. We talk about the print issues, collections, stuff that's hitting our digital apps and all that good stuff. But of course, Tucker, mm. have you seen a movie lately? I have. I recently rewatched Dances with Wolves. Wow. Uh. Is that Academy <laughs> Award winning? <laughs> Uh, I believe so. I think so. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, Pretty great. No, I joke. I also recently saw a, 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 um, a Marvel Studios flick. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched Marvel Studios Avengers Infinity War uh, three times last week. Really? Uh, and I watched... Wait, no. Did I say Infinity War? <laughs> you did. <laughs> I watched Infinity War twice. Oh, you did? Leading up not, to right, the film. Uh, once regular... Yeah. Then once with commentary, because I, nice. I love commentary. I love it. Great track. Love it. Uh, the Russos, Marcus McFeely, fantastic. Oh, awesome. Highly suggest it. Yeah. And then watched uh, Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. three times. Nice. Uh, it has been a heavy Avengers week, <laughs> yeah. which is appropriate. Come on. We're in the Endgame now. That's right. And so, so much going on. It's real good. I'm sure everybody here has watched it. We will not get into spoilers about that. We've got to talk about comic books. That's right. I'm starting off uh, this week with Age of X-Men Prisoner X number three, which is written by Vita Ayala with art by uh, Herman Peralta, colors by Mike Spicer and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I love like this book really started with uh, a bang for me. I loved that first issue a lot and it's added so many different layers as we've gone on and it's become one of my favorite Age of X-Men books because it does an amazing job for me of combining several different elements that I feel like have popped up across the Age of X-Men universe, corner of the universe here between like being like a team book between having these like amazing mystical technicolor elements and between having just like this real heart at the core of it. And that's uh, really how I would succinctly put this, um, put this individual issue. And really when I talk about the heart at the core of it, I think of, of Hank because there's just something so um, soulful about him. And specifically in this iteration of him, he is this kind of sage figure that he always is, but here there's something even more profound and special about the connections he has with various characters. And then, of course, we get some just absolutely incredible artwork. And You were you had a double-page spread open, yeah. which was really cool. And then there's later there's a single-page spread of Polaris. It's yeah. just gorgeous some great stuff that that was something that really stuck out to me throughout books this week was i i thought there was some really really fun excellent artwork on display this week especially and uh yeah it was a great place to start next book is amazing spider-man number 20 dot h-u this spotlight is almost all about the vulture it is written by Nick Spencer, pencils by Corey Smith, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Eric Arseniega, and VC's Joe Caramagna is on the letters. There's also a short backup with Vermin, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, yeah, this one is really about your favorite evil old grandpa, oh, yeah. the Vulture, 
Uh, he's just such a jerk. He's twisting the other villains. He's you, you end up finding out that he's just a pawn for someone else, mm-hmm. which I don't know. It's a whole cycle of sad. Yeah, it really. And is. you're just like, man, come on, yeah. break the cycle, bro. <laughs> Stealthily, though, this entire story has worked to elevate Arcade once again to being very dastardly. Yeah. If you've never read the Avengers Arena and Avengers Undercover stories, I highly recommend those. And then uh, talking about the Vermin story, that Trixie, horrible, sad Vermin. Uh, it's a story called Mother. It's written by Nick, art by Tyler Crook and Jim Campbell with Joe Caramagna on the letters. And it's nasty. There's a couple of Vermin. Verminses? Mm-hmm. Ver- vermin? Ver- yeah, Verminses running around in the story uh, and you find out how and why in this backup. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, when you said uh, Trixie, you said yeah. Trixie Vermin, Mr. Vermins is. Yes. Actually, also saying Vermin, Trixie Vermins is. What does that remind you of? A little bit of uh, The Hobbit. Yeah, that's right. I wanted to mention this weekend I played a sweet board game called War of the Ring uh, with one of my best friends, Mr. Bill Klein. He came over Saturday night. We played like for three or four hours Went home, blah, blah, blah. Bill came back the next day. We played for another three or four hours to finish the game. All just left it all out. So good. Is it just a two-player game? It is just a two-player game. It, I, I, it's so impressive because like it very organically weaves in so many elements of the actual narrative of Lord of the Rings. It's awesome. I was the Free Peoples. Uh, he was the Shadow Armies. The Shadow Army is like really over, vastly overpowered, like the Free People's Army is so like you have to kind of be very tricksy. Mm. And uh, and uh, right as he was about to defeat me, literally one turn away, he was about to defeat me with the Shadow Armies. I destroyed the One Ring. I entered the Crack of Doom. Wow! Destroyed it. It was great, great fun, awesome game. Anyway, I want to play that. It's so good. I literally think I'm going to play it again this weekend. It's, it, I'm addicted. It's awesome. Anyway, next up. We have Champions number five, and this is a War of the Realms tie-in issue. It's written by Jim Zub with art by Juan Ramirez, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is almost one of my picks a week because, one, I, I love any time that we get to see the champions you meet up with uh, a bunch of other characters here. We see them team up with Cyclops uh, in particular. Really, really cool moments come out of that, including some really beautiful kind of connections between several characters. I'm thinking specifically of Kamala and Scott. Oh, those moments were so good. Yeah, so, so awesome. It, it gets to the core of what I, I, I love most about Jim Zub as a writer. I think he has such heart in what he does and there's so much care. Uh, he knows these characters so well, but to see them just go up against the monolith of, of enemies that are kind of besieging earth and war of the realms is so much fun. And yeah, this is a really, 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 really great issue. Yeah. Wanan uh, really nailed specifically. I'm thinking of uh, a bit between Kamala and Scott. There's like something that, that happens with them. And I was just like, man, yeah, this is it. Yeah. It's really good. Up next is Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History, number three, written by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti, with art by Nathan Stockman, colors by Antonio Fabella and Rochelle Rosenberg, with letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Now, the first two issues were focused on uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider monkeying around with the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. This one is about the X-Men. So maybe the most ridiculous sequence in the whole series at least so far, is in this issue with CGR 
That's what I call him, Cosmic Ghost oh, Rider yeah. from henceforth. Uh, is CGR inserted into the Dark Phoenix saga. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have old man Frank Castle dolled up in the Black Queen's dress, yeah. picking a wedgie. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Yeah. Nathan's kind of a perfect shot for this because he he does the funky weird and the funny with his facial expressions and his poses so well, but it's also his ability to do those things that make his action so bombastic mm-hmm. and fun as well. So it's like those facial expressions, those movements, he uses them for comedy or action, yeah. and they're equally effective when they need to be. There's a small panel of Cosmic Ghost Rider punching Phoenix, and the perspective, the leaping punch of it all, it's just classic, awesome Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's a little thing, but I mean, I, I kept looking at that panel. Like, I, Man, this I, is- it's so funny you mentioned that. I, I, I literally know exactly the panel you're right? talking about. I feel the same exact it's way. It's just a super dynamic panel. Yeah, yeah. This, this is one. This is another one of those books that I was thinking of where it's just like the art really stood out and yeah. looked, looked amazing. Yeah. I also love how this dives into various eras of classic X-Men stories, but also really hits on that Wolverine-Punisher rivalry. Mm-hmm. That is a big thread in this issue. There's an absurd story that they show in this issue that is something I think of just like sometimes we're just thinking about comics, you know, like, hmm, remember comic books <laughs> all the time? And I think of this story. It's originally by Garth Ennis and I believe Derek Robertson. I won't spoil it, but and they show a little bit of it in this issue, but it is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay, moving on to another type of Wolverine story here. We have Dead Man Logan number seven. Uh, this is written by Ed Brisson with art by Mike Henderson, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. This is a really fascinating issue because, and we talked about it as much as we could with issue number six, but this is the threshold moment. This is kind of the moment where the book starts again in a really interesting way because the first six issues, kind of the first arc, was about Logan, old man Logan, coming up against Mysterio and like a bunch of his his past and his alternate timeline that he ended up on. This one sends him back to his original timeline, which is an alternate timeline from the 616, and it's back to the Wastelands. I also want to mention the the colors here by Nolan Woodard, something that the entire creative team spoke about when I got to sit down with Ed and Mike and Nolan several months ago talking about this book was about how the colors over the course of the 12 issues, because this is a finite series, we know where it starts, we know where it ends, the colors kind of change, the hues shift the entire palette shifts as as the story goes on and progresses. And we can really start to feel that here, which I really, really loved. And look, it is not a warm welcome nah. home uh, for uh, Logan. Back no, to but the wastelands. also, like, the first group of people that Logan encounters, he's like, <laughs> give me that truck. And they're like, no, man, yeah. we're just drinking over here. Get yeah. out of here, you you jerk. Yeah. And he's like, well, guess I'm going to pop my claws and cut people's limbs off. It's like... <laughs> Chill out, bro. <laughs> you don't. That's not your car. Yeah. yeah look, you're absolutely right. Um, but uh, seeing where the story then progresses was really unexpected and really, really cool. And then ultimately to see where these classic elements of the wastelands, where it all began for Old Man Logan in issue 66 of Wolverine, how many years ago now? Uh, it is so cool to see some of the characters come back to see that you know, looking more and more like where this story is going to culminate is so much fun. It's it's so awesome. And, you know, it feels like we're building to such a fitting end for, for this character. 
Also, Mike and Ed put together some horrible stuff for Logan in this issue. Seriously. Logan finds himself on the bad end of an encounter with some cannibals. Yep. And if you were a hungry cannibal and found a renewable source, found a renewable source of food, man, yeah, it's like Christmas come early, brother. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Up next is Deadpool number twelve. Speaking of dark and violent issues, uh, this one was written by Scotty Young, art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Ian Herring, letters by Jeff Eckleberry. This is the continuation of the big throwdown between Deadpool and Good Knight. Good Knight, the character that Deadpool is sort of set off in motion as a child, but now all kinds of stuff is going on. And this one's got hot dogs flying around, smashed bones <laughs> and bodies and blood. And this is the the battle between them getting to its really intense moments, but it's connected to a couple of interesting evil jerks whose identities I won't reveal, but mm-hmm. how they play into it is mm-hmm. is real is real something. Uh, before we get there, there's a whole bunch of funny moments in the city as the battle rages that I really, really enjoyed. So you have all like the dark, the deadly stuff, but you also have the comedy in here. My favorite is while Deadpool and Goodnight are fighting on a bus, one of the passengers asks the driver why he didn't stop the bus after hitting Deadpool or why didn't he stop the bus while the battle was going on. The driver looks so terrified and shell-shocked and he says, quote, gonna be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> uh, which is, I love that. Yeah. It's so real and like the re- the reactions that Scott draws there, uh, you know, hitting those facial expressions on regular people amidst the big battle stuff is so crucial. Totally. All right, next up we have Domino Hot Shots number three, which is written by the incredible Gail Simone with art by my man, David Baldion and Michael Shelfer, colors by Jim Charlampetis and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, we're seeing the hot shots here go up against like such a colossal threat that feels like totally incongruous to who they normally are. And it's kind of a team of assassins, really, going up against such a big, giant, cosmic, celestially like mech threat here. That is, uh, it's just so much fun to play with that contrast and to see the various characters struggle with that but also to see the team dynamics kind of fall out of that i think we've spoken about david baldion probably as much as any other artist over the last you know year plus that we've done the pull list and there are some really big super energetic uh panels and and splashes in here and michael shelfer uh completely uh teams up you know really seamlessly in this issue It it was a lot of fun and i will say that gail simone is one of the funniest writers. There's yeah. a, there's a one, maybe my favorite line of the week is in this book, and it is quote, "She touched my tiny turtle." Mm-hmm. And Deadpool says that, <laughs> and I won't say who he's talking to, but we're talking about, but there's definitely some smooching and loving going on in this yeah. issue. But she touched my tiny turtle. <laughs> it's so good, is fantastic. Uh, that's Gail right there. All right, up next is Major X number three, written by Rob Liefeld, art by Wils Portacio, colors by Romulo Farhardo Jr. with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So I, I I saw Rob Liefeld on the red carpet, or a purple carpet, I should say, mm-hmm. for Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame. Got to talk to him. We have a quick interview on This Week in Marvel, but I told him how much I love this issue because I had read it like a day before going, and uh, I liked the first issue. Second issue was was good, but the third, this one, I really, really dug into. This one got me. Part of it is because you give me Wills Partacio. Yeah, come on. And he is so damn good. This is what I'm talking about. Right? Right here. Wow. 
he just kicks this up a bunch of notches. He did some amazing work on the Xbox in the late 80s and the early 90s. So big, so fun, so vibrant, but also intricately detailed. This first page of this book is this big splash of Wolverine and the McCoy character, M-apostrophe-K-O-Y. And McCoy may or may not be the Beast or akin to the Beast. And it's the two of them sparring. They're in the danger room. There's this look on their faces. They're just like, yeah, they're having the best time. But Wills just draws them and they're like just meaty beefcake boys and I'm <laughs> here for it. The last issue was really dense and it delivered a ton of background on Major X's world. But I love this one in part, you know, aside from the art and because it focuses on the relationships with the characters we know in that first half. So you get really great bits with Cable and Wolverine and now Major X and McCoy and these characters. But then the second half... Brings back Dreadpool, the character who was created earlier in the series. And then it adds a bunch of over-the-top yeah. 90s-style villains that is just like... It is like if someone was like, you know what? We're going to make a 90s-style action movie, but we're yeah. going to do it with reverence and love, but also by people who lived it. Right. Here we go. That's what this is. It's like Rob and, and Wills lived it. They're just like, oh, yeah. I, this is something I could yes. have done 25 years ago. Yeah. And he, these characters, these villains that he brings in, Mega Max, Mini Max, Vance Rebus, Pigskin, and of course- Here we go. Dead Eye Dick. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for it. I love Dead Eye Dick. <laughs> so good. I, 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 It was a ton of fun. It's my favorite issue of the series so far. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, all right, moving on to some other really good stuff. We have Marvel Team Up featuring Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel. This is issue number two, and it's my- pick of the week first of my picks of the week it's written by the incredible eve l ewing with art by joey vasquez colors by felipe sobrero and letters in production by vcs clayton cowles this was nearly one of my picks too the, the, it's colored in my my list as totally. one of my picks but you grabbed it first so so good first i mean we we pick up with spidey and kamala in their full costumes and i just want to say joey vasquez nice Spidey, yeah. wow, really awesome. Joey's young, too. Love the eyes, really impressive. I mean, this is something I talk about probably way too much about how people draw this character. Um, I think it's probably, it's something that a lot of comic book fans talk about all the time, but it's such a, a huge canvas for so many different styles and so many different interpretations of the character. I love what Joey does here. I think it's really, really incredible. What's so much fun, though, from a narrative perspective from about this issue is that uh, it's like a, we get a Freaky Friday here. Body swap. Yeah. Where Kamala's like mind is in Peter's body and vice versa. It's so much fun. Eve just like absolutely takes complete advantage of it. This one and actually your pick of the week, which we'll be talking about, one of your picks of the week, which we'll be talking about soon, actually for me reminded me of each other, not for any, pretty much any reason other than it almost like the writing is so good in this, and one of the ones that I'll bring up in a second when you talk about it, is that it, the writing's so good that it almost feels like it writes itself. Because mm -hmm. like everything you want to see, everything you th just want to delight and revel in with this given situation happens, and so much more. And so much more is explored and uh, is brought to the table, but it's just done so 
perfectly well that it's just like, of course we had to go here. Uh, we don't just get to see them like Kamala trying to handle like whipping and Pete trying to handle embiggening. Uh, we don't just get like that superhero action, which is in itself so much fun and so funny. But we also get like them handling each other's personal lives in really fun ways. It's like the timing of so much of this writing just feels so perfect the the cadence of the dialogue and how each like there's a moment when Kamala is talking to her mom but it's Peter's talking to Kamala's mom in Kamala's body and they don't want to reveal anything and Kamala's in Peter's body like trying to like sneak like words of advice at the same time this is this is like such good comic books right here because it's just a wonderfully delightful out there premise executed in the best way that just feels so real so organic and just like the the most fun to read did you notice the simpsons joke in there oh where there's a deep cut simpsons joke in this issue it is centered around the word embiggen and <laughs> uh ties to the ori- the origins of that at least in my mind right the origins of that word and where it showed up in, in the simpsons and i cackled i laughed so (laughs) hard because it just it was it's perfect that's awesome so good real quick interruption here uh between our comics i just wanted to make sure y'all know that marvel's cloak and dagger is back on freeform the original series very exciting y'all in season one we met ty and tandy as they discovered their new superpowers ty aka cloak can control the realm of darkness and tandy aka dagger can shoot daggers of light from her hands In this new season, there are bigger issues on the horizon. They'll need to embrace their powers, figure it out fast, because, whether they like it or not, mayhem is coming. Tune in to watch Season 2 of Marvel's Cloak & Dagger, Thursdays on Freeform. All right, up next is Meet the Skrulls number 4, and it is my first pick of the week. It is written by Robbie Thompson, art by Nico Henrikan, and colors by Laurent Grosset, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Man, this series... This series, yeah. uh, the you know, the series has shifted, right? Like you've got a couple th- different things. The first, the beginning, and then the first two issues were like the spy focused, getting into some mysteries. The third issue is the deep family emotional drama, the revelations, and like those like gut punches. Mm-hmm. And I think I just spit on you. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, but it all comes crashing together in the best way in this issue. So that you have the parents at odds because of the spy and the family stuff and crashing all that stuff together. Then you got the kids who are frightened, yet they want to be a part of all the spy stuff, but they're building into the family drama stuff. And it's like just coming together in this beautiful mishmash, not not a mishmash, that, that makes it sound less than this like beautiful it's just so like wonderfully complex yeah and, like, the, the, complexity the characters are complex it. the narratives are complex yes. but like in a way that's not hard to follow at all but in a way that just enriches every single scene yeah and then this issue culminates into these two huge emotional beats set around the spy mission so like the way that they're layering it and then nailing it i won't spoil those but nico and robbie putting together one of our best books right now one of my favorite books yeah. it's like prestige looking the way everything is framed it's got it doesn't look like anything else even the the coloring the tone the characters the emotion on their faces there's just something so special so different about this book all right next up is the punisher number 11 
It's written by Mr. Matthew Rosenberg with art by Simone Kodransky, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is the final part of War in Begalia. And look, I think the best way to put it is that this this ent- entire story arc has just continued to up and up the ante, like just m- more explosions, more action, more just like Frank Castle taking command of a situation that was taken out of his control and just refusing to stop. We're just going out with the biggest bang. There's some really, really incredible, wonderful art going down here because again, it's like in such a specific Punisher tone, a tone that in my mind is really kind of reminiscent of the the Garth Ennis Punisher and, you know, just that classic kind of darker color palette and just super, super kinetic action. There's literally, I don't, I can't imagine like how the art in an individual character's book could get kind of more epic and grand in scale. We have a classic centerfold style uh, bit of action right in the middle of this issue, which is awesome where you kind of, you have to turn the, the book vertically to read it works so perfectly but again uh, there's some great stuff going down with baron zemo i think he's a perfect villain for this story perfect foil for frank castle in a lot of ways because he's equally as relentless so to see where this story arc wraps up and to see where we're going next is really exciting i love the way matt writes zemo yeah because like it's a guy who's trying to be a legitimate world leader but is also a horrible mass murdering hydra yeah. garbage fire of trash. Yeah. And garbage fire of trash. That's a new <laughs> phrase. Uh, at one panel, he's cursing out Jigsaw. Then his legitimate guests, like these politicians or businessmen, ask if everything is all right. And he's like, of course. Why do you ask? And he says, oh, the phone call is I'm having a pool put in my house. It's been very... And then he leaves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, just that level of, like, that's a subtle comedy bit right yes, there. And absolutely. Matt does that so well. Exactly. He, he's not a funny character, but he, the way Matt writes it is very funny. It's yeah. so good. Totally. Damn, I love that book. All right. Okay. Uh, here we go. Dun, dun, dun. It's time for my second pick of the week, which is Savage Avengers number one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Strap in. It is written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, a billion variant covers, something for everybody, but Conan versus Hand Ninjas, Conan versus Wolverine, other fights happen, (laughs) but Conan versus Wolverine, first issue, we are getting it. It is dope, and Diodato, just the perfect one for this, right? Uh, his Wolverine. I always love his Wolverine because Wolverine is slightly like hunched over. His arms are long and he's massively muscular. Yeah. He is like this little hulking. He's like a little hulking right, beast. Right. Uh, his Conan feels and looks like a barbarian. He's just like, you don't want to mess with him. Like he's so perfectly cast for this book. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, big and terrifying. And then their fight, the two of them, their fight starts with a, a sword lodged in Logan's skull. And he like thunk. <laughs> And then it goes from there. It's wild. The first page is this uh, is is just like you got the first um, splash page of their fight that is just so gnarly. I gotta pull it up because 
Yeah, it is the shot from behind Conan. He's looking at Wolverine. There's hand ninjas on the ground. Blood mm-hmm. is everywhere. Wolverine's like, I got the last one. And Conan's like, Crom! Yeah. He's like, what is going on? And then he sees this guy pop claws. Yeah. And they just go at it. Those next two panels right after Conan says Crom are just like, that's exactly what you want. This, this is what I'm saying where it's like this book Jerry does such an amazing job because he just lets these characters be themselves and lets this this situation play out in the most epic, fun, perfect way. Like I could literally read a series that is just them like falling off of cliffs into the next little like shack or whatever and then just just fighting literally like across the world. It is so much fun. I just didn't want it to end. It's like Gandalf fighting the Balrog. Yes. Uh, through the, the different levels. Yeah. Yeah. It, this, this book in some ways reminds me of War of the Realms in that like epicness, yeah. uh, that sense of, oh, this is exactly what I wanted to see. It's like giving you the perfect meal mm-hmm. and then making it so you're just feasting on it. It's yeah. like, yes, I want this more, yeah, more, yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Savage Avengers is. That's what War of the Realms is. And that's like, I'm just dining on it. I'm, oh, yeah. I love it so much. The whole remit of this book is that there's a, a cult of various no-goodniks trying to summon a giant ancient evil to Earth, and numerous heroes are drawn to this altar that's in the Savage Land. Great. Oh, yeah. Great shout-out to the opera, the Ruggiero Leon Cavallo written opera I Pagliacci, which we get the final climactic line of in the first panel of this book. Are you a big fan of this I, one? I... Uh, yes, I used to like, there was a time in my life where I was obsessed with that opera. And uh, anyway, I was delighted to see that. My my wife <laughs> used to teach uh, music, various types of music classes in college. And so she would teach opera classes. Oh, awesome. Um, so she probably, I'll have to show this to her if, she, if <laughs> yeah. she's not going to read it. She took me to the opera twice. I fell asleep. Because <laughs> it was dark and it was like yeah. comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And then... There's like a little closed caption device in front yes, of me because yep. I couldn't understand any of the yeah, yeah. dang foreign words that yeah, they were tricky. singing. It's also, real life. If they were singing in English, I probably wouldn't have been able to fully understand because yeah, yeah, it's hard. like this exaggerated style. Right. Yeah. And so I'm not a good opera goer. But this one kicks off with La Comedia Infinita. And then the you know, music plays. The comedy is over. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. See? I get it. But it's not because it's dun, a dun, delight dun. and fun. That's <laughs> the comedy is just beginning. Wow. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Spider-Gwen Ghost Spider number eight. It's written by Shauna McGuire with art by Takeshi Miyazawa. Colors by Ian Herring and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I really, really enjoyed this issue yeah. because it really reminded me of like classic Spider-Gwen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff with the Mary Janes in here, which was so much fun and so great. But also, there's a lot, you know, we kick off in kind of in the personal side of Gwen's life, you know, with uh, Harry Osborne, and then we go into rehearsal with the Mary Janes. But uh, specifically with when she powers up to become a ghost spider, there's a movement, there are a couple of visual, maybe just like very subtle visual references in, in really interesting ways. Uh, and then we uh, we leave off in a really um, interesting cliffhanger. But uh, yeah, this is a, a really great one that that felt like he captured the, the the spirit of old, which is just always so much fun. Yeah, it's, it's that mixing of Gwen and Spidey together, how those pieces mesh and they clash, and the band, her love life, her health, 
like all those things coming together. It, it, that's what makes it really work. Totally. All right. Up next is Star Wars number 65, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Angel Unzueta, with colors by Guru Effects and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This one, man, Queen Trios of the show to run, finally realizing Leia's plan of revenge against her in this issue is mm, it's delicious. Yeah. It's like tasty, tasty. I love the fire that she comes back with, though. It's like you don't want to root for her. And, you know, in some way, shape or, shape or form, she's not going to succeed in right. getting back at Leia because Leia keeps going. But I'm kind of like, all right, I want to see what she's going to do. Yeah. Uh, like what move she's going to make. You know, I'm all Leia, but this character, she's vicious, she's ruthless, and I, it's exciting. Yeah, it's that classic thing of just like it's the bad thing that you don't want to happen, but at the same time you really love to see happen. Yeah. Uh, it helps in all of this that Angel is a master at facial expressions and detailed, like detailed costumes, environments, and all that stuff. Like I – I don't understand how some artists do what they do on a regular basis. Yeah. Like I look at a book like this. I look at stuff that, you know, like Will Sliney will do and his backgrounds and stuff or Dio or like so many people, what they do and how they get those really detailed bits of every single centimeter of a a panel. Yeah. They're crafting little things that you may breeze by. It's, It's really incredible work. I think... We should do a big spotlight for Angel's environmental like work. Maybe something oh, yeah, on the website. Totally. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. You're I'll an editor. Make a note. Do it. Yeah. Next up, we have another Star Wars book. This is Star Wars Age of Rebellion Han Solo number one. And this issue is titled Running from the Rebellion. It's written by Greg Pak soon-to-be writer of the main Star Wars series, with art by Chris Sprouse, inks by Carl Story, colors by Tom Rabon-Villain, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This issue takes place pretty much right after the events of A New Hope. And what this overall, though, does for me is capture that wonderful kind of seat-of-your-pants, improvising at every single moment, spirit of Han Solo, which is just the best. It's so hard, I feel like, to capture in a really genuine way. And it makes me, you know, this whole Age of Rebellion series is just making me so, so excited for uh, Greg to jump on board the main series. I talked to Greg. He was on the red carpet for uh, the purple carpet, I have to keep saying. Yeah. Uh, because he helped create Korg and he yeah. helped do, you know, pieces that influenced so much of the MCU. And we ended up started talking about Star Wars, and he's just like so excited. He's just the biggest Star Wars fan. Come on, how could you not be? And full note on our oh, just, oh, come yeah. on, it's gonna be so good. Get out, get out, Greg Pak, nicest guy in comics. Get out of here. Anyway, uh, yeah, th- I think that that adventurous spirit is totally. It's just got that adventure, and I really like the Chewy characterization here. Yeah, focusing on the fact that like Chewy is the selfless hero. Yeah. He's the one. He loves Han, and he's with Han no matter what. But Chewie knows what it's like to be a victim, to be oppressed, to be literally in chains. Yeah. And he wants to save people. And so he's the bleeding heart of the team. And even when you can't fully understand what he's saying, you know what he's saying, and you know where he's coming from. Yeah. And he, Han can't win, and he's like – keeps exactly like bringing yeah. Han he's the moral center of the yeah, book yeah he's the, he's that other like appendage that yeah. like aside from Han's like 
heart deep down heart of gold he's like this thing that he can never let go of that keeps bringing him back towards the thing that at least nominally he says he doesn't want to be a part of yeah it's it's such a great element yeah all right up next is uncanny x-men number 17 this damn issue written by matthew (laughs) rosenberg art by carlos gomez and guru effects with letters by vcs joe caramagna it's the funeral for Wolfsbane, who we found out died off camera mm-hmm. last issue. Like when that happened, I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. Like Wolfsbane is such a to me like she was a character who was like if you were a certain age growing up reading New Mutants or reading X Factor or reading these comics where she she's young, she's part of this team, and you like associate with her in in some ways and. She's also cool. She turned into a wolf. She's great. And then she dies. I was floored by that. Yeah. So we're, we've got the funeral here, and we find out how and why she died. So the issue bounces between the funeral and a mission that Wolverine goes on because he's going after the killers, but he's a stubborn bastard, so he doesn't tell anyone. Right. And I'm just, I just want to like slap him in the face and be like, just... Tell him what you're doing. You don't have to get into this fight, you dingbat. Yeah. And he's just like, whatever. He's very bad at communication. Yeah. So it drives a wedge between him and Cyclops. But the emotional meat here is how the story shifts between the eulogies at the funeral, which Matt just crushes. Yeah. Like heartbreaking, beautiful, sad stories of these characters mourning their friend and their family and then these increasingly horrifying things that we learn with wolverine which i'm not going to go into but this made me very sad this issue and then the last lines of the issue are going to have everyone losing it i can't wait (laughs) for like wednesday afternoon where people are just like what the hell yeah Yeah. it's great it is i i i love matt's work on x-men same completely agree Okay, next up is my second pick of the week. And here we go again. And this is War of the Realms number three. Come uh, on, step it up. It's War of the Realms. Yeah, it is. Um, it, so good. It is so good. Uh, it's written by Jason Aaron, drawn by Russell Donovan, colored by Matthew Wilson, lettered by VCs Joe Sabino. And this is the quest for Thor. Which is so, so awesome. Uh, Before you even get into it, I'm going to say, I sent a note to the entire creative team as soon as I yeah. finished reading this, just expletive filled. <laughs> just being like, I tell them how much I loved it. Yeah. And like, especially that the last page, which we'll get to. Oh, come Man, on. I love this book. It, I love this issue so it's much. It's so good. It's really, really special stuff. So much of what we've seen in the first couple of issues is about the fall of New York City, the fall of Midgard as a whole, seeing Malekith just battering Earth's heroes and taking control. This is really interesting because it's kind of, it's one of the first major counterattacks, so to speak, by a really awesome kind of unexpected group of heroes here that go off to fetch Thor from the land of the Frost Giants. It's it's really awesome. I love the God Without Fear stuff here with Daredevil. It's so cool. And it also, like, the more we dig into it, it makes so much sense for him as a character and for him to be able to channel these cosmic visions and senses. You know, it, it is just, it's a very natural 
albeit massive, amplification of his powers and who he is and, and how he taps into what's around him. We get, look, we get Cap. Sorry, no, I was going to say, that? I just, well, jumping off of the God Without Fear, it's like, yeah. I love our good boys getting big weapons because you've got Captain America getting Yarnbjorn, yep. the, the axe that can cleave the hide of a celestial. Uh-huh. Daredevil becomes the God Without Fear after he picks up Heimdall's sword. You know, Luke and Danny and Spidey, they get Asgardian gear. They get winged horses. Yeah. It's so good. It's so awesome. See this crew riding into Jotunheim on these winged horses is so much fun. It's just like this is this is what this kind of massive event book can do. It can take these characters and just spin them off into like the most wild places and have just such an epic tone about it the entire time. We jump between a, a couple of different realms here as we catch up with all the action that's been going on, including we get to see the War Avengers in here, led by Captain Marvel. Uh, taking all right, care, trying you got to say who the War Avengers yeah. are because this is a dope team. Taking care of uh, of business on Midgard. Okay, let me see if I can do it. We have Deadpool, Venom, Captain Marvel, Hulk Vereen, Captain Britain, Bucky, uh, and Sif. Sif. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you had it. All right. Uh, it is such a cool team. As we bounce between the different missions, between uh, these different kind of squads that have emerged across the realms. And then, yeah, like you said, uh, where we end up is just... It takes that hugeness, but just amplifies it even more to this massive, huge, awesome image. And like it does so much storytelling in one splash that uh, like I'm just like clawing for the next issue already. I, I think I may like go on like our internal server just to try and read the next issue early. It's so good. I got real excited because I thought I had the next issue in my make readies. Yeah. But I think I got I got a reprint. Uh, so one of the teams that's in this book is led by Freya. And mm-hmm. it's a team of Freya, Hulk, Ghost Rider, Blade, and Punisher. They're going to the Black Bifrost. And they are the focus of our last book of the week, which is War of the Realms Strike Force, the Dark Elf Realm number one. It's written by Brian Hill, art by Linnell Francis Yu and Jerry Allen Guilin, with colors by Matt Hollingsworth and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This one tells the, the like the forming of that squad because in War of the Realms proper, you see them on their mission. Yeah, but this is this is sort of set before and after that. So you, I would say. You should read them. I, I would suggest you read them both. You don't have to read them both, but if you're going to read Strike Force, read it after War of the Realms 3 right. proper. See how they come together. And it's not like Freya is just like, oh, you, 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 you. She picks them because she knows there's something darker yeah. about them that they, when she needs them to, they will take care of whatever they need to take care of. And she tests them against their own fears, against themselves. You get really dope Lineal Francis you moments like Hulks fighting each other, Ghost Riders headbutting each other, Blades slashing at each other. There's this three-panel sequence of Hulk, Blade, and Ghost Rider finishing off their shadow versions, and it's bloody and it's badass. It's really, really neat. And then I love, in particular, the final conversation between Freya and Frank. The two of them are talking about seeing themselves become the things that they hate, the things that they fight. Uh She says, how do you do what you do and not become what you hate? And he says, who says I have it? Uh And like that clarity is so, so powerful. And 
they don't flinch. The two of them know that it doesn't matter. What they need to do to save millions and billions of people is more important. Yeah. And the, what they have to, oh, man. I love War of the Realms so much. I know. It's awesome. Ah, it's man. so cool. I'm going to rage. <laughs> and the list of collections on sale this week include Amazing Spider-Man by Nick Spencer, Volume 3, Lifetime Achievement, Black Panther, Killmonger, by any means. That is one of my favorite books of all time. Get it. Doctor Strange by Mark Wade, Volume 2, Remittance, Gambit, King of Thieves, The Complete Collection, Man Without Fear, The Death of Daredevil, Ms. Marvel Epic Collection, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, and The Art of War of the Realms. I have this on my desk right now, and it is gorgeous. It is amazing. It is a must-buy for anyone who's enjoying War of the Realms. Uh, digital collections on sale this week include a bunch of things. There's some Ultimate Spider-Man in there that I think y'all like. Uh, and then we're going to jump over to Marvel Unlimited real quick. There's more Infinity Wars in there. There's a really cool Halloween spooktacular cute book. Uh, Morbius the Living Vampire number one from 1992. Night Stalkers number one from 1992. Nomad number 20. Some weird 90s books in there, but I definitely suggest you check out Morbius and Night Stalkers. Most importantly, issue 77 of What If?, Issue 81 of What If, and then a couple of more recent What Ifs and X-Men issues, X-Men Black Juggernaut included. Check those out. The full list will be on Marvel.com. Get them all. Enjoy them. Tucker is off doing, I don't know what, he fell off the face of the planet. I'm Ryan, and this is Marvel, your universe.